Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ortiz finds it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but what? here comes a pizza. See it? This is our fucking city, and nobody gonna dictate our freedom. Stay strong. Welcome back to the Name Redacted Podcast, America's most beloved podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast in the world. I tweeted this out uh, on the way home from, uh, not from the game, but I watched the game uh, with my parents and then drove back to Boston and I tweeted out, uh, it's, a, it's a happy flight for the Red Sox, which means that it's a happy podcast for us. I don't care that they lost the series. I mean, the standings at this point don't mean anything. I'm just... You know, if they win a game, I'm happy about it. It's nice. When they lose, I'm still sad. I, I, some people, I got someone like arguing with me um, because I was upset about one of the Red Sox losses in this series to the Minnesota Twins. He's like, dude, fucking give it up. Like the season's been over for weeks. I don't care. I'm a Red Sox fan. I, I want the Red Sox to win. That makes me happy. And when they lose, I'm sad. And of course, the ultimate goal is to make the playoffs, win the division. If you can't win the division, you win a wild card. If you win a wild card, you get into the playoffs. It's great. When you can't do that, what am I supposed to do? Well, first of all, it's my job. So I'm going to watch the games regardless. If it wasn't my job, I would still be watching the games because 162 guy. And I think it's weird. I mean, I don't think it's that weird. There are plenty of sports fans that they watch all Boston sports. My dad's one of those guys, but my dad is also a 162 guy. But I I think that there are fans that if if you're not going to make the playoffs, then it's on to the next. Now I'm going to watch the Patriots fucking practice. I guess people do that. Um, when does hockey start, Peter? Soon, right? Month? October. Yeah, about a month. We're about a month out from hockey and football and basketball. There's there's other options, and I get that. If if you are just a sports fan and there are other options, I get why you wouldn't watch the Red Sox. I watch the Red Sox no matter what, and I don't care if they're in last place. A night like tonight, that's a good win. That's a fun win. I was excited. Uh, when the Red Sox ended up winning that game, when it looked like, hey, they're probably going to fucking blow this thing. And uh, lo and behold, they did not. And before we get into that, uh, I, I do want to say that if you are listening because you want reaction to the last episode where there was the, the Heim Bloom stuff, which kind of spilled over into mainstream and uh, it was dissected on sports radio and on Twitter and all that, we're going to talk about that. We are going to talk about that. But because of the game tonight, I want to start on a positive note. I feel like that's going to be, nah, it's not really going to be a negative, but it's going to be more serious discussion. 
But for now, the Boston Red Sox have, have won a baseball game. And I feel like anytime that they win a baseball game, that's something we're going to have to talk about. Peter's here. Peter, hello. Hey, how are you? I'm, I'm all right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do want to address. I mean, we've had people before who have said like, uh, or I guess there have been times before when the Red Sox have won the first two games of a series and then they lose the third one and we're on here and like the, the mood is 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 down and we're like, well, fuck, like it almost undoes the first two wins of the series because they they chunked it in the third one so hard. So why can't we do a, the opposite for for this series? They lost first two. Mm-hmm. They won the third one in like yeah. in a pretty unexpected, very un Red Sox like manner. So that's something to celebrate. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, a big league win is a big league win, and big league wins are hard to uh, to get. It's it's a, it's not an easy thing. So um, I don't know if there's anything we can get out of the way from the first couple of losses, Tyler. I feel like uh, yes, uh, yes, actually, <laughs> thank of you. course. And you th- th- thank you for Tyler paving the way. Nothing here. from the first two games. I feel like a uh, uh, couple losses there. I feel like you might have something to say about those. Yeah, really, it, it comes down to one guy. Uh, you know, there there was plenty of bad things. I, I think it's really more of a conversation piece for, you know, where the Red Sox are and everything. But I'll start with the first guy, Ryan Brazier. What the fuck, man? Mm. Seriously, what the fuck? Mm. Like, I know I'm hard on this guy and I know I've killed him podcast after podcast. But was there anything more predictable than when he came in that game and gave up the grand slam to Nick Gordon? Anything more first, the hit by pitch, not even a competitive first at bat against the guy yeah. just completely falls off and shits in his pants. Mm. But you, this year, he has a 662 ERA, third percentile in hard hit percentage, 26th percentile in expected ERA slash expected weighted on base average, 22nd percentile for barrel percentage, and then 975 ERA in August. Now, last episode, we reacted. We, uh, Austin Davis, Jared, you broke the Sawamora news to me, and I, I, just you know, I was in a little bit of shock. Guess. Yes, guess. Sorry. No, no inside knowledge there, as mm-hmm. we know. I have no um, credibility. Yeah. Shout out Red Sox and stuff. Clown. Oh, I'm sorry. I had to do that. Why? But, what, what was yeah, that? I didn't see that. He he was the one you were going back and forth with saying that, uh, you know, why? Oh, Jared, real sources or not. Or oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know his handle. I, I'm familiar. Like when I see his account pop up because he. He says he doesn't listen to the podcast, but he always has something to say about always. Yeah, um, I think he, like I, he's I, he like so people. If, if there's someone that's doing a poor job, and there's an account without a name or a picture that's just really aggressively defending that person, it's like, oh, that's a that's a so and so burner. You would think that that's a Heim burner. Not even Heim himself would defend himself as passionately as that dude defends Heim. And listen, as a Heim Bloom guy, you know. We were mutuals over the past year. And listen, I'm joking. He's not that bad of a dude. But yes, he, he will never disrespect Heim Bloom, no matter what. He's one of those guys. He said Heim he's doing a, Heim is doing a great job. And I, I, anyone can be critical and say what's happening. I don't even year. think but Heim that, would say he's done a great job. Like Heim is no. very realistic. I think if you and I did, I had this conversation with him because because when I, I think it was like around the trade deadline and we were just, you know, bullshitting around the cage and uh he was like, so, you know, what if I, I obviously he, he doesn't like look at Twitter now and he, he obviously doesn't listen to the podcast. He's fucking very busy guy. But he's like, you know, what have, what have you what have you said? And I was like, ah, I think we, we did like a grade and I graded you like a C plus. And he was like, yeah, that's that seems generous. So like he's yeah. he's very he's not he's not sitting there thinking like, man, I fucking crushed this year. Like he, <laughs> no, he's reasonable. Dude. 
And I think that's been the thing about Heim when he's been willing to go on this podcast. Like what's nice about him is he's willing to kind of speak about it and admit where things haven't gone right. And as much as credit, as much credit as you could give him for 2021 this year, it's been the opposite end. And that's just reality. That's why 2023 will be make or break. Mm -hmm. But really looking at what's happening right now, there's no excuse for Ryan Brazier being on this roster anymore. If you're going to move off of Austin Davis, if you're going to move off Hirokazu Sawamura so you can get some fresh arms in this bullpen so you can try some different things. I thought one of the biggest highlights was Zach Kelly the first two games. Yeah. You know, picking up what, three Ks in his first two appearance, both scoreless, like that stuff, like, oh, wow, like this is a lot better than watching the same disaster happen over and over again. It's just something different. Between Ryan Brazier, who... Yes, I get it, Alex Cora. I get it. The stuff is, you know, there's good chase rate, everything. I get it. His command is horrendous. Everything he throws, it goes right back over the plate. And that's why you see so much hard contact off of him. It's not that the stuff is complete garbage. It's just that he throws it in awful locations and it gets smacked and he can't make the adjustment. And he's saying, you know, I'm meeting with coaches, whatever it may be. I'm over it. There's nobody here that looks at Ryan Brazier and thinks he's going to be on this team in a year or in the next couple of years. And you can depend on him. So why the fuck do you have him? Why do you have Jerry's familia who also got taken to the moon by Gary Sanchez? <laughs> why are they on your roster? What do you get out of those guys? So nothing. I, I think the familia thing for, for the familiar thing, I can I can sort of explain as you need somebody. Like I think that they were hoping not in the same. It's it's not the perfect comparison because when they picked up Hansel Robles, he was trash for the Twins, and then came in. And I think the first day that he he joined the roster, Alex Cora was like, "Yeah, we saw something, and we're going to fix it. It's correctable." And then next thing you know, he's got a zero ERA in September, and he helped you get to the playoffs with Familia. Obviously, that wasn't a guy that they were like, "This guy's gonna we're gonna we're gonna fix something. He's gonna help us get to the playoffs." But they need arms. Like they can't just bring oh, up the whole Woo Sox and and whatever. So I I think with with, with Familia, I can at least stomach it. And then with Brazier, it's like you know, good guy. I like him. Every time I see him, super friendly. We're always like chatting him up. And yeah, he had that it, it, like the comebacker, and he's had he's faced a lot of adversity, and he's come back from it. But at the end of the day, you know that like the results are what they are. You know, and, they and are. they're very bad. And if you're going to have, it would make sense if you kind of dismissed one guy from the bullpen, but then you dismiss two. And then that raises the question of how did, how did this guy survive the chopping block? When you look at the numbers, it's like, why, why these two guys? I mean, first of all, you know, you look at the, the Austin Davis numbers. He, he's been atrocious. And we brought that up but uh, like even two weeks ago. E- but even with Austin Davis, I can say, well, Austin Davis was one of the best relievers the first three months of the season. And like the metrics backed it up. There's a reason the twins claimed him. That's a smart organization. Uh, you can see it in their bullpen within itself uh, in some of the arms that they've come and discovered over time. Ryan Brazier hasn't given you anything. Maybe a couple appearances in a row where he gets a little hot like a couple weeks ago. But that's it. There's been no prolonged stretch. And when it comes to Familia, I think it's the same thing as the Hansel Robles. It's, hey, we see something. The stuff isn't bad. He just has no idea where it's going. It's just, are you looking at him and thinking he's going to be on this team next year? No. And you have plenty of arms sitting in AAA that are better options. Frank German easily could step up here. Bizarro easily could step up. I think he's someone we're going to see very soon. Um, AJ Paletti, like you have multiple options here. You've waved the white flag. The season is what it is. Find out what these arms are. They're rule five eligible. So if you don't figure it out now, you're just going to let them walk. Like figure it out. Why waste your time with guys? You already know who they are. That's not getting you anywhere. 
And, and that's where a lot of my frustration comes. It's just there's moves that need to be made on this roster to answer questions at the end of this season. You have so many question marks, so many. And John Tomasi put out an article. You know, they have about 140 million to spend before they go over the 233 luxury tax uh, for next year. They have so many holes. There are so many things to do. And that's before even getting to Rafael Devers extension. And you got to figure out Bogarts. You need to start figuring out some of these bullpen holes because you might need four or five arms back there to really fill this up, especially if you move Whitlock to the rotation. You're just not getting any answers out of these guys. Try to get something out of some promising arms you have in AAA doing big things. They can't move Whitlock to the rotation. I have, just a, I have a genuine question regarding Ryan Brazier. Does he have a like a physical ailment or a uh, why are you shaking your head, Tyler? Uh, no, he, he. So I remember last year, uh, he described it similar to what Whitlock has. Him and Whitlock have something pretty similar going on there with that weird or not weird. That's probably a bad way to phrase it. But <laughs> Where, like his head is tilt. always cocked. Yeah, it, you know, it's some kind of thing he's always dealt with. And Whitlock gave like a breakdown of why he deals with it or, you know, whatever condition he has. And Brazier was like, yeah, that's basically what for Brazier. It's a lot with. more pronounced. And like, even if you go, even if you look at his like his like team photos, his head is like cocked to the side a little bit. His head is like never always straight. So I was I was just genuinely curious if something was going on there, because I know like people used to make fun of Milan Lucic for like having like a hum- hunchback or whatever. And he has like a, a genuine like physical disorder that makes him sort of like have a hunchback. So I didn't want to like make fun of him and have him have like, but it's just like a very pronounced like head cock. So glad I asked. And that was talking head cocks. <laughs> yeah, here it is. So uh, it's basically it's a double vision thing, like where Whitlock has this kind of thing and Brazier, at least to his experience, described it as something pretty similar. Okay. Interesting. Um, and that was their breakdown of it. The more you know. Yeah. This is why I'm on the podcast, because I, I ask these questions. Okay. <laughs> Superior oblique palsy. Oh. Oblique. It's a palsy? weakness. I I probably am mispronouncing that. I think it looks like oblique. O B L. I-Q-U-E. That's oblique. oblique. Okay. It's a weakness of one of the six muscles controlling his right eye that can cause double vision with the result of misalignment of the eyes. What the fuck? And then, yeah, the article goes down and Brazier kind of discusses his end of it too. Isn't like the oblique in like your abdomen? The oblique is on your side. Yeah, right. Maybe the eye has abs. Classic, Maybe. classic eye abs. Six pack eyes. Hmm. Yeah. So Whitlock was like, we both kind of tilt our head. I asked Brazier, are you being diagnosed with this? And he was just like, no, I've never heard of it. But they have the same kind of experience. So that's kind of where they came together. Brazier was seeing double when he was 13 or 14. Jesus. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, do you think that's why they keep him on the roster? No, I think Alex Cora likes him a lot. I think Alex Cora, this, listen, there's stuff there. I, I don't want to act like he has nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but like that, that's the thing. I think he's just one of Alex Cora's guys and he's trying to let him get his run. And like you said, he's well liked in that clubhouse. It's just you're past that point. You're way past that point. And there's no point in keeping a pitcher around that's basically shitting the bed every single time he goes out there. 
It's demoralizing. If you have double vision, do you see four boobs when you <laughs> have sex? Because that'd be pretty dope. <laughs> I think, I don't know. Maybe we can ask him. Let's get him on the podcast just to ask him that. And then be like, all right. Thank you. <laughs> Big thanks to Ryan Brazier for coming on the pod. Do you see double boobs? <laughs> I'm going to ask him that. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I want to know now. That's a great way to have a threesome every time you have sex. <laughs> yeah. I mean, does that count? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's all in matter of perspective. And if like you if got you're, double vision, you're yeah. having sex with two people. Yeah. <laughs> like every time you have sex, it's a guaranteed threesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's just every girl he talks to, he's like, and twins. <laughs> So yeah, I, do, I have threesomes with twins all the time. Every time, actually. Every, everybody in the world <laughs> is a twin. Yeah. And they all want to have sex with me. It's crazy. Good for him. I'm happy for him. Hell yeah, brother. Yeah. <laughs> um, you guys know anything about uh, the DraftKings Sportsbook? Can you tell me about it? Yeah. The wait is almost over. A new football season is about to begin. Are the Patriots going to be good this year, Pete? No, definitely not. Get ready for the NFL Week (laughs) 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And to celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. If you want more action for opening night, everyone, can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. Get up seven, you win. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. All you got to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use the promo code Jared, J-A-R-E-D, to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That is promo code Jared, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. Um, all right. So you are you done with your negative Nancy rant, Tyler, about the first two games? That's what you want to talk about was Brazier. Is there anything else that you want to piss on? Um, no, I, I think that's it. I really I'm OK with just about everything else. I think there's a lack of focus at times. There was a couple things in those first two games. There was forgetting Dugo yeah, talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. For Dugo, not, you know getting stuck in between on the Devers line out to right field. I think that's just where they are as a team. You know, they're down the stretch. They know they're not going to make the playoffs at this point. Yeah. So, you know, they're going to continue to have sloppy moments. I thought a couple of interesting things to come out of this series, uh, a couple of stories, both of them from the Mexican times, AKA MassLive.com. I think it was Chris Smith had the story with JD Martinez because everyone wants to know, like, what the fuck happened to your power? Where is it at? And he homered tonight, which was great. Ended up being a game winner for the Red Sox, 6-5. to five. Uh, But what's that? Like, his second home run since the All-Star game? Yeah, that's it. So, his power just poof, gone. And everyone wants to know, like, what the fuck? <laughs> where, where is it at? And so, he, he does this story with Christopher Smith and is just asked that question point blank. Like, where's the power at? And JD was like, it's my hips. He's like, I already know what it is. Like, it's not one of those things where I got to like go figure it out. Like, I don't know. Like, is it, 
Like, am I not lifting enough weights? Is my diet bad? Am I mechanics? Is my mechanics off? Like, what's the deal? Um, he was like, yeah, it's my hips. He's like, I'm just not like my hips are not doing what they normally do when I'm hitting for power. And he's like, it's something that we've identified. It's something that I'm working on. It's not like an overnight fix. It's something that could take weeks, but it could, it could be fixed this year. It could be fixed. He's like, I will fix it in the off season. So like, I'm not, it's not going to be an issue next year, which is a great, great line to use when you're up uh, coming up on free agency. Uh, but I mean, he homered tonight and yeah, I mean, I, I guess something like that, it doesn't surprise me at all that he was able to identify it and it's something that he thinks that he can correct for sure. But interesting piece from uh, Mass Live. Christopher Smith had that. And then- I will say on the JD Martinez thing, while the power is obviously the major problem, mm-hmm. he's just not hitting in general. Like he's almost hitting below 270 at this point. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's just the bat as a whole has not been there for multiple months. So, yeah, it'd be great if the power came along, but he really hasn't hit in general. For yeah. some time now, uh, since the beginning of the year. And I think it's a trend that we've seen for a couple of years now with him uh, over these kind of stretches. But it is what it is. You know what I mean? He, he's aging. I think we've seen some of the trouble with velocity as well. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Um, but I thought that that was interesting that he was able to pinpoint something. Then the other one who was uh, Chris Catillo of the Mexican Times had the piece on Jaron Duran. Uh, he... Uh, I don't know what the story was supposed to be originally. He was just like talking to Duran and then Duran went off on a tangent about, you know, mental health essentially and, you know, uh, how hard he's been on himself and how difficult it's been to fail at the big league level so far and the reaction from the media and the fans and people wanting him gone and um Heim Bloom was quoted in the story um uh, Ref Snyder was quoted in the story apparently they're buddies they're close and I think th- one of the things that Heim pointed out was like, yeah, like this was a guy that was super energetic in AAA. And then he comes up here and he's kind of just a quiet little mouse because he doesn't want to bother guys. And, and Duran mentions that in the story. He's like, I don't want to bother guys. Like everyone else has their own personal problems in their own lives. Like I don't want to burden people with my problems. So he kind of just like sits there. And I, I made that observation after the... um it wasn't the losing the ball in the twilight in the twenty-eight to five game. It was a it was a different game. I forget what he did, but he fucked something up. Uh, oh, the pickoff? It, no, it was um, it was when he was screaming at the fans in Kansas yeah, yeah, City yeah, when yeah. he dropped like three balls in one inning. And that was like uh, two, that was like two weeks on the heels of the Sunday night baseball quote. Yes, yes, and. Which, by the way, he also mentioned that he he took that back. He was like, "Yeah, that was stupid." I, he's like, "People like took that the wrong way. Yeah. Like, I didn't say it the way that I wanted to say it. Like, I didn't mean like Red Sox fans don't root for the Red Sox if you doubt us." Like, he said it came out wrong. I wish I could have that one back. So he did address that one. Um, and then he he basically like in the the Kansas City one, I was like, "It's what I took from that wasn't so much what he said. It was the fact that he was in front of his locker talking to the media and he was still in full uni." So. I was like, either he got called into the manager's office after the game and didn't have time to like shower and get dressed, or he was taking it like so hard on himself that he didn't even shower and get changed. He just kind of like came off the field and sat in front of his locker full uni and then ended up talking to the media because obviously you're going to get asked about that after the game. So I could already tell that he wasn't in a great headspace just from that interview in Kansas City. And then this this piece kind of just detailed that of you know how and this was before he got sent down that he did the interview 
Um, but I mean, that shit happens, you know, like I'm not saying I don't feel bad for him. I do. I do feel bad for Jaron Duran. Um, but I think he was honest with himself and saying that none of the criticism that he's been getting has been unfair. He's like, yeah, I fucking haven't been playing good. And it's not like anyone is saying anything super unfair about me. They're saying that I suck because I suck. Like it is what it is. Like that's the, the nature of the business. So he was at least honest with himself on that, not being like, it wasn't like a woe is me. Why aren't people nice to me? Uh, but it was more just like, hey, like, you know, it, it, it's hard enough to be a rookie and, um, come up and then suck and and then also have to deal with like the media and the fans being like get the fuck out of here so yeah i mean it was, it been, was an interesting read yeah i mean i've been i read that one just because i've been as hard as anybody on uh duran because i just thought that he was and i still do like i still stand behind the way that i responded to that he was acting like a tool like he acted he was he was being not not a good clubhouse guy and i do think that that's probably why you say like he was like acting like a mouse around the clubhouse because I'm I'm sure that he heard it from guys that have been in that clubhouse and have been around for a little bit longer. I'd be like, yo, you got to stop like saying like this, the Sunday night baseball shit like that comes off may not be may have had different intentions of, of coming out differently than it did, but it still came out the way that it did. And that causes uh, s- some ruffles. But I mean, st- Stocks for me on Duran are as high as they've ever been. I mean, I, I like to hear a guy talk like that and be open and honest about shit that he's dealing with. And like, I, I like the honesty. I like the self-awareness from the the quotes that are in there. You, you mentioned it like he's not un, he's not blaming anybody else for, for that shit. He's taking accountability for like his own play and ad- addressing head on the way that it's affecting him. I mean, the thing that really stood out to me was him saying like, you know, I don't talk to anybody. I don't want to be like a burden to anybody else. Like I'm, I'm super closed off and it kind of just like eats away at me. The fact that like you're even able to recognize that and verbalize it is a pretty good step in like showing maturity and showing that like, hey, this might be correctable. Because like if, if you recognize that it just eats away at you and it only gets worse, then that's the first step in doing something about it. So hopefully. He's able to kind of get out ahead of it. And, you know, it's this is this is definitely like baseball is a game of streaks and all you need is a good, good streak to to get to get some of that confidence back. And, uh, you know, maybe a fresh start, whether it's here or whether it's somewhere else. Like, I think that that's going to be important for him is to kind of reset a little bit. And, you know, at this point, like I'm rooting for him is, you know, for as much as he's pissed me off in the past, no reason to root against the guy, especially after. Uh, you know, he comes out with something like this where he has a good amount of self-awareness and seems to be uh, a pretty good dude who's just like a young and figuring it out. So uh, I thought that was a, a good piece from Katio. I thought it was a good a, a good bit from from everybody involved in 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 that article. Yeah. And I, and I think the other thing, too, is uh, talking about like, I have no one to go to type deal. Like, I don't think that that's true. Like, no, th- like that's when not. you have to like be accountable like there are right. guys that you can go to that would talk to you like there just are um there's a lot of good think, guys in that clubhouse yeah that and would. like he's right everybody has their problems but like if you've been there before that if you've been there before and you're a good dude there's a good chance that you're going to be willing to hear hear and help some of the younger guys with their issues like that's what leadership is yeah and i think the other thing like this isn't the first time we've heard this whole thing of him not being able to 
for whatever reason, let that version of himself out in the big leagues. He said that was his issue last year as well. He was like, I just never felt like I was super comfortable in there. Okay. Like, you know, you get a second chance this time around. You play for Alex Cora and a guy in Alex Cora who I think some of the disappointment that follows Jaron Duran is how highly Alex Cora has spoken to him. Cora going down, you know, when Duran was in the Puerto Rican Winter League and meeting with him and like talking and really going through it and saying like how special I think this guy is and he's going to be a really important player here moving forward. Um, I, I think like you said, Pete, you put it really well. It, it's a maturity issue. Obviously, there's issues on the field as well. You know, he went from power to trying to be more of a you know hit tool guy back to what he originally was when he got drafted and you know steal bags and he hasn't been able to kind of find that consistency in his game but i think the maturity stuff is what stands out almost even beyond really some of the flaws as he plays with um and then there's the age as well and i think that's what's kind of settling in for him as well where he turns 26 in like four days there's not many 26 year old prospects you sit there and you expect to figure it out or break out or at least be a you know, cornerstone piece moving forward. I think he's realizing he's probably shit on his two best opportunities to be a part of this organization. The next one that comes will probably be when someone goes down or you have a chance to step in or it might come somewhere else. And that's the kind of spot you have to move forward in. Yeah. I mean, like you get a golden opportunity with Kike going down for several months and you don't, you don't turn that into a, Hey, what about me? Like Kike's up at the end of the year. Like I'm your guy. And, and that's just not what happened there. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think, I think it was good that he opened up about it. But again, like, I, I don't think that, um, you can say that there's no one to go to like there is. And I think what, what's really lacking on this team. And, and I'm not saying that they had potential to be a world series champion team, but. It's it's also unfair to draw a comparison to 2018 because 2018 was an absolute wagon, the most wins in franchise history. But uh, in terms of the leaders, the veterans on this team, JD is not someone that's going to fucking check someone and like yell at someone. Ploiecki, nicest guy in the world. Xander, one of the nicest guys in the world. Like the veterans, the leaders on this team, they're just nice guys. Like they're, mean, they're there to offer the- advice and yeah. they're there to keep the mood upbeat and positive. But they don't have a Rick Porcello. They don't have a, like Chris Sale's not been there really at all. Like they don't have that guy that's like, hey, knock that shit out. Well, Bloom and said this that's is why he like went it. out and got Tommy Pham because he was like, we needed that intensity. Like he's one of the most intense players in baseball and our clubhouse needed an element of intensity. And that, it's just hard to be that guy on a brand new team. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I think if, if Tommy Pham had been on the team on opening day and he was there in spring training and he had a chance to like gel and bond with that group. And then he felt like, like, you know, I'm one of these guys. It's, it's hard to, yeah, it's hard to show because, because you get there and everybody's gonna be like, who the fuck is this guy? Like he hasn't been here through this ride. Like how do you just walk in the door and think that you fucking own shit or you get to be in everybody's face? Yeah. And some guys can do that. Some guys do do that. Some guys can get traded over to a new team and then bam. You can't be like 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 a journeyman though. Like Tommy Pham's a journeyman. You can be, you can be that way when you're like a a established superstar who's like, you know who the fuck I am. I can get in your face. You know, like Chris Sale could do that if he went to a new team halfway through this year. And just like Verlander with the Astros when he first got there, it's like, hey, I'm fucking Justin. I'm dropping my dick on this table (laughs) because I'm Justin Verlander. Yeah. What are you going to say about it? I don't think that Tommy Pham can really do that. No. I mean, he probably could because he can beat your fucking ass. (laughs) Yeah. Because he's huge. But like, 
he's he, he's not like that caliber of player to be able to do that. And let's be real. We've now seen it. Josh Winkowski, you know, in the dugout. We've talked about it a million times Sulking. on this podcast. Sulking. Uh, you know, I'll throw Cutter Crawford in that as well. Uh, he had a little moment down there in the dugout after uh, his last start where he was just it looked like he had his face in the towel and he was kind of just screaming into it with his head down. Um, it just feels like there's not that guy who's willing to get in your face and kind of tell you to, you know, get it together. You got to act like a big leaguer. Like if you're going to do that, you know, go down the hallway, let it out, do whatever you need to do. Even, you know, as much as people want to crap on Chris Sale, the reason Chris Sale goes in the dugout or, you know, down the hallway out of the dugout and breaks everything is because he's not going to do it in front of, you know, the whole world he thought was going to see. That's been some of the problems where that stuff is leaked out. Jaron Duran screaming in center field. Winkowski, Cutter Crawford, younger guys getting upset in the dugout after a rough performance. It's just been a consistent kind of theme for this entire season. Yeah. I mean, the, the Royals incident with Jaron Duran was literally living out a triggered online experience in person. Mm-hmm. Like, it was the same thing as when fans will tweet and chirp at an athlete and then they chirp back and it's like, dude, just ignore it. But he was in center field playing baseball for the Boston Red Sox. Yeah. And he was getting chirped and he lost his shit and and chirped back. You just can't do that. And I know that like that sounds shitty to say, hey, uh, if someone is talking shit to you, you just got to wear it. Like, you can't, you got to ignore it. and You can't say anything back. And a lot of people be like, well, as a man, I got to defend myself and I'm going to I'm going to say something back. Maybe if you're like on the streets, but. <laughs> It, when you're in uniform as a major league baseball player, that's yeah. probably something that you shouldn't do. And I, I find it hard to believe that if a guy like Chris Sale or Rick Porcello, like guys like that were around that I don't think that that happens. You know, I just don't think that that happens. But yeah, I think it's 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 part. I think it's partially like Duran has to find the middle ground there because like he doesn't need to be this like this wimpy little field mouse who doesn't say anything or doesn't talk to anybody or doesn't have like any of this bravado or ego or whatever, but you have to, you have to, to, to check it partially and you have to channel it. Like when you get chirped in center field, when people say shit to you and you've got like this chip on your shoulder, you feel like this need to fucking shove it down their throats. You don't do it by screaming at them in center field. You, you channel it in a way that is productive and sort of fires you up and lets you shove it down their throat by like fucking hitting a home run or whatever and then sending it back to them when you get back to center field the next half inning like that's that's the way you do it i know it's easier said than done but like i don't think anybody wants to see jaron duran just like be the shell of whatever like i think that the bravado and the confidence is like how he got to this point to to begin with like but it's also he's probably been the best player, one of the best players, like every level of baseball that he's ever played at. And then he gets to the majors and things don't go well. And he kind of just like retreats into himself and loses all of that. You don't want to lose all of it, but you got to channel it in a way that's effective. Yeah, it's it's just crazy because you talk about a guy who was a top 30 prospect in baseball going into last year, like his stock skyrocketed so fast. He went from a guy who was, you know, somewhat intriguing as a prospect who stalled at double A to someone over COVID and at the ATS that was on everybody's radar. Like he was getting Grady Sizemore comps like regularly. Uh, And then, you know, that's your age 24 season, 2021. This is your age 25 season. It really didn't play out the way you wanted. It's just that's a fall. And I, I have a hard time. Like I was playing this game in my head 
when was the last time people soured on a Red Sox prospect like this? And I don't think it's ever been to this degree Henry this quickly. Owens. Henry Owens or Blake Swihart were really the two that kind of came but to Blake mind. Blake was likable. Like Blake was really I mean, I thought Blake was likable for the most part. I obviously didn't pay attention as much as you guys did, but I thought Blake stayed pretty likable for a while. <clears throat> I think maybe the fans weren't as quick, but the players, oh, okay. Jared, I, I know I Jared. I didn't know that. Yeah. David Price obviously didn't like throwing to him, whatever. I'm but pretty, it didn't, felt, didn't Pat tell the story on the air that like he, David Price went into John Farrell's office and was like, I'm never pitching to him again. <laughs> Yes. Um, and like, that's the, that's the stuff, but I, I think it's that level. But the issue with Duran is as much as you want to say about Swihart or Owens, you know, they weren't fighting with people, you know, fans and they weren't, you know, infamous for one of the ugliest moments in all of major league baseball, where you're just watching a ball drop out there and you're not chasing after it. Yeah. I think fans here will excuse you just sucking. Like they'll get over it. They'll be like, yeah, you suck, but they're, you know, they're not going to sit there and kill you every single day. When you act like a shithead, they are going to kill you. And that's the hole he's dug for himself. What's like that animal that's like most known for like roaming around the streets in New York City? Rat. No. Ooh. <clears throat> um, anyways, <laughs> the Red Sox got a big win tonight. Six to five. And I was very fired up in that ninth inning. Because Matty B comes out, save situation, and he doesn't have it. And he'd be the first to tell you that. No feel for the curveball. Wasn't locating the fastball. He even broke out the changeup. His last time out, he threw four changeups. So he's like, yeah, I have like a little bit of a feel for the changeup. So anytime that you see Matty backpacks mixing in a changeup, you know that uh, he has assessed the situation and he does not have a feel for the curveball because he is essentially a two-pitch pitcher. But he has that change up in his back pocket if he needs to whip it out. And he was throwing that for a strike. And what I, what I love the most about that ninth inning was an Alex Cora mound visit with no hook. Because I've seen... And, and there is one thing that I'll address... And I don't, I didn't, we kind of just hopped on the podcast after the game. I don't know if he was asked about this after the game. Uh, but in that top of the ninth, JD Martinez infield single, uh, Trevor Story double, JD moves to third base, but it was a double in the gap. And I think Eck made the point if there's anyone else on first base, that's probably a big, big insurance run for the Red Sox. Why did JD not get pinch run for? And that's a very valid question. Someone asked me and I was like, I, I would imagine that Cora is going to get asked about that after the game. I didn't see if he was asked. And I obviously don't know what the response was because I don't even know if he was asked. Uh, but because JD did not get lifted from that game for a pinch runner, uh, I saw some people on Twitter being like, Alex Cora is mailing it in. He's asleep at the wheel. He's not really managing these games to win. Of course, you lift JD for a pinch runner there. And then the Trevor Story double, his third hit of the night, uh, made that decision to not lift him for a pinch runner even more glaring because that would have been a run or you would assume that that would be a run. Um, so immediately, I mean, Alex Cora is obviously not flipping through Twitter during the game. Like he doesn't see any of that criticism. Like why, like why wasn't he lifted? Uh, in the ninth inning, Matty backpacks. He's got one out 
fly ball, fly ball out to left, and then you have runners on first and second. Carlos Correa is coming to the plate. Carlos Correa is four for 10 lifetime off of Matt Barnes with a home run. Carlos Correa, as you know, has a flair for the dramatic. He's got some clutch walk-off homers, big hits, and big spots in his career. So you have a guy that has a knack for that moment, and you have a guy that's had some career success off of Matt Barnes. Uh, one out, I believe uh, Strom was warming in the bullpen, but you had two righties coming up anyway. So Cora comes out, and I'm not... At that point, I'm like, is he? he's not going to pull him here, right? You're not going to bring the lefty for a couple righties here. Cora comes out, little pep talk. And uh, I was listening to EEI on the drive back, and they asked... They asked uh, Ploiecki, um, what did what did Cora say? Like, was it like was he talking strategy? He was like, nah, it was just a fire him up conversation. I was like, I fuck, fuck yes. That. I was like, I love that. But- like, don't tell me that Alex Cora is asleep at the wheel. Don't tell me that he doesn't care. Of course, he fucking cares. He's trying to win every single baseball game, and it kills him when they don't win baseball games. So Cora comes out, little pep talk. He goes back to the dugout without Matt Barnes. He's still in the game, and then you get the. Uh, the double play to end it. Red Sox win, save for Maddie Backpacks. And you got to give credit to Bogarts and Story there for turning that double play because that wasn't a hard hit ball by any means. Like that's, that's not a gimme double play that they turned there. So I was, I was happy. I'm happy to talk about an actual baseball game, things that happened in that game. You had Xander Bogarts, Grand Slam, RBI double. He's hitting the ball hard. Which we love to see. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy with the tonight. the the Twins lost that game in exactly the way that we've come to expect the Red Sox to lose games. It's like you have the rally in the uh, was at the eighth inning with Nick Gordon, and he goes for uh, he goes for third base for like no reason with with two outs. I mean, great throw by by Doogie to to get him there. Oh, but pose. like absolutely no reason to put yourself in that position to get thrown out at third base when it's a one run game and you're already in scoring position with two outs. Like, I, I like that would have driven me insane uh, uh, as a Twins fan and like been there as a Red Sox fan. Obviously, just fucking running into outs for no reason. Um, but then you have a, a pretty good opportunity in the ninth inning and you find a way to get nothing out of it. Like that is as Red Sox, 2022 Red Sox as it gets. And it feels fucking good to be on the other side of it for once. It really does. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say the thing that with Matt Barnes that made me really happy too was he was coming off an outing that wasn't great for him. Yeah. Not that he gave up a ton of hard contact, but he gave up a couple of runs the night before. For him to settle in in that spot, despite not having his best stuff, that's when you can really say a guy's back. You know what I mean? Like a reliever can get hot and just, you know, dominate for a little bit. We've seen Ryan Brazier do it for a couple of appearances. But when Ryan Brazier doesn't have it, you see what happens. And it happens a lot. With Matt Barnes, he didn't have it and he was able to get through it. And that's a sign to me. All right. Like he not only is the confidence there, but he knows he can get through. He can survive when he doesn't have you know, his A game. And that's something he talked about struggling with, you know, beforehand when he didn't have his velocity or he felt like he didn't have his curveball. He didn't know what to do. That's where that changeup came from, Jared, like you said, where he started leaning on that to try and get by. So that's another nice sign to me that Matt Barnes is on the right path. And hopefully, you know, he continues to build on this over the next month. And I think the other thing is Xander looks healthy. 
you know, over his last 12 games coming into tonight, 333, 380, 511, 891, four homers this month. The power strokes back, you know, and I think that's a big thing, not only for his free agency, but just his value overall. Obviously, at this point in the season, is it going to get you where you needed to go? No, but for people who want to say Xander Bogarts is just a ground ball merchant or whatever at this point, I think he's showing, no, I can still really hit the fuck out of a baseball. I, I do think, though, there was there's one thing going on, and I wanted to raise this question to you guys. Rafael Devers. Now, since he came off the IL August 2nd, it's 172, 236, 303, 539. 38 WRC plus. So, you know, horrendous. He, he's going through it right now. Should the Red Sox IL him for the rest of the year and let him get a breather if this is what it's going to look like over the next couple of weeks? Uh, my dad actually raised that question. He's like, why don't they just shut him down? I was like, because I don't think he wants to get shut down. Like, I think, I think Devers is a guy that's like me at 25% is still better than whatever else you're going to put out there when I'm hurt, if I'm on the injured list. And I agree with that. And I respect that. I mean, the fact that the way that I read into it is that's a guy that is willing to hurt his season numbers because he knows that him at whatever percent he's at is still better than the next best option. Uh, so you have to respect that. Like if, if, if it got to the point where, uh, I mean, he, he obviously is offered next to nothing offensively and you did have that play. Uh, what was that on Monday where he forgot how many outs there were? Yeah. Um, where he also, what an inning before that made that ridiculous catch, yeah. uh, going down the you know line and Bayo, you saw the reaction on the mound. Bayo was going nuts. Yeah. That would have been a fair ball. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, even it's almost like uh, like when Gronkowski was still lining up hurt. It's like just the the threat of you being out there. It helps like knowing that a lefty bat who has the potential to take you 480, uh, you know, th- that potential's there. That helps. At least that's how I see it. Um, and I, they're already thin as it is. Yeah, I'm not like super like I don't think they have to make that move. I think it's something you consider if it's really bugging him. Like if I see him running around the bases again, like he was a couple weeks ago where it looks painful, then I'd start to really start to go down that line. He went through a whole fucking month of October looking like he was in agony. (laughs) But see, like you were making a playoff push and, you know, that that's when he was was the best hitter on your team doing it. When the performance comes down a little bit like. If it gets maybe in a week or two where it's still this bad, I think then you really have the conversation. But I think you also say, well, Christian Arroyo hasn't played the last two nights. Could that be a way maybe down the stretch you get more of a look? He continues to hit and you say, can this guy hit himself all the way into an everyday role next year? I think that's a conversation to be had. Um, And then that can obviously play. You know, they're going to get Arroyo reps at first base. Maybe that gives you a little bit more flexibility at first base if you want to call Tristan Cassis up down the stretch run and find some playing time, at least for Eric Hosmer, too. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Just, it's muddy. It's, it's a muddy it's roster. A, it's a log jam. There's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, what's that? Square peg in a round hole? There's a lot of that happening on this team. Uh, that's the Bloom era. Yeah. There's a lot of that. And I can't say that I love it, but it is what it is, and we got one month left. That's it. It's a lot. I don't know. I it's weird because they're they're in last place and 
it's I don't know. I've seen a lot of people say that, that this is not a likable team and that they they can't stand to watch them. Like I don't know. I I think the most frustrating part is that it's not. Um, I don't find them to be unlikable. I just find them to be like it there's just a doesn't lack of make identity. Like it's it's not un- they're not particularly like unlikable on a personal level for the most part. It's just there's very little identity to this team. Yeah, I just don't I, like. I don't always enjoy watching them play baseball because oh, of that reason. Where it's like you have uh, a bunch of I don't know out of position players. Like that's not fun to watch. Like I want to wa- like call me crazy, but I still wish Jackie Bradley Jr. was here. The like, guy I enjoyed watching Jackie Bradley Jr. play the outfield. Like show players are good for sports. Like not everybody has to be a fucking star. Role players are role players provide consistency and consistency is the mark of a good team. Like that's it, man. And that's kind of why I dislike a lot of new age baseball. And I know that it's smarter and shit like that, but I, I miss Knowing who you're going to get in the seventh. I miss knowing who you're going to get in the eighth and knowing who you're going to get in the ninth. I miss knowing what the lineup's going to look like on a daily basis with like maybe one or two exceptions. Like now it's everything is just positionless or like, you know, roleless and, you know, we'll use them in depending on the situation. Like I like being able to kind of anticipate things and you just can't anymore especially with this team. And I think that's what Alex Cora has said he wanted all year was just to be able to find structure, especially in that bullpen. And when they played their best, it was because Tanner Hope went into that closer role and he was fine out there. You didn't have to worry. They finally found structure. But as injuries happened and everything broke down, you lost that structure again. And that's where the identity stuff, I think, comes in, where if you don't have daily structure, you're never going to build an identity. And I think the other thing is you look at tonight. Xander Bogarts and J.D. Martinez go deep and you're like, oh, this is what the Red Sox were supposed to be like this year. Like, I forgot what it's like when J.D. and Xander are hitting bombs and leading the offense. And it's not everyone having to scrape across, you know, 10 plus hits to score some runs because no one can hit the ball out of the ballpark. It's a game changer when you can do stuff like that. It changes the whole dynamic of your team. Yeah. Not to completely switch topics. I just wanted to drop this little tidbit in here. Um, but the Yankees just lost again to the Angels. Oh, no. That's yeah, they just lost again to the Angels. And I believe the Rays, the Rays have won three straight. So that means that the Yankees lead in the division is down to six games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yankees finished August 10 and 18. It's their worst calendar month in 30 years. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they have a, they have a got, six game. They once had a fifteen and a half game lead in this division, and uh, it's down to six. Been a long time since uh, they were saying that team was going to be arguably the greatest baseball team we've ever seen. Yeah, one hundred and seventeen wins. They're playing tragic. What uh, they get the Rays this weekend? Yeah, they get the Rays. It could be down to three. <laughs> wow, mm. that would be Jake. How do you feel? This about could that? be wait. Could be down to two. Four game series. It starts tomorrow. Does it? I mean, I assumed maybe there's a travel uh, off day. Yeah, they might be off tomorrow. Sox have a four game series this weekend, so I just kind of assumed. 
They do play tomorrow. Oh, is it a four gamer? Games. <laughs> um, give me a second here. They're coming back so. from I the think west. It is just three. Oh, okay. No way. Yeah. A, yeah. Okay. It could be down to three. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, either way. Yeah. Tomorrow, another dog That'd shit slate. Tomorrow, there's only fucking yep, eight games three game tomorrow. Series. There's only eight games tomorrow, and only three of those eight start at seven or later. What are the Ugh. chances Aaron Boone gets fired before the playoffs? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it ain't Boone's fault. It, it worked for uh, worked for the Blue Jays. It did not work for the Angels. Correct. I can't. I always think about Joe Madden and that friggin' mohawk, man. I think about that, that poor every bastard. single damn that poor day. Bastard. <laughs> Them walking up to him sitting at his house and he has that damn mohawk ready to surprise the team and they're telling him, nope, you're done here. It's you over for pack you. your shit with a brand new mohawk. That's tough. I'm gonna All time. I'm gonna save both of you an angry Reddit thread because I asked Jake a question. You both just didn't let him answer the questions and everyone Sorry. loves Jake. Um, I apologize. Jake, how do you feel about the Yankees division lead going from 15 and a half to six games and potentially potentially down to three by the end of the weekend? How does that make you feel? I mean, if I was the Yankees, I'd try to win a couple games this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like they gotta they have to take two out of three. They have to. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'll be watching that series, uh, drinking some Blue Moons because baseball and beer go hand in hand. Everyone knows that. And the Blue Moon uh, is the perfect stadium companion with its bold flavor, bright explosion of color, iconic orange slice ritual and authentic ballpark roots. In fact, Blue Moon was born in a ballpark, first created at the Sandlot Brewery in Denver, Colorado. From the first pitch to extra innings, a Blue Moon guarantees a one of a kind beer experience every single time. Uh, Pete, you going to any games this weekend? Uh, I am not. I'm going to be Do you watching. want to? Uh, fuck. Yeah, probably, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Not, do I want to? No, but if I'm asked, will I? Yeah, probably. I'm, maybe I'm, maybe Saturday. What, I don't t- have what time Saturday's game? Actually, no, uh, there's no chance I'm going on Saturday. Saturday's college football. You like college football? I do. Why? Because it's awesome. It's so awesome. It's way better than Is Sunday at 1 o'clock? 135. So much better than the Red games. Sox. All right, never mind. Let's not go. Let's right, let's well, watch. Some might, I'll go football. Sunday. No, I'll go Sunday. No. Okay. I won't. I hate 135 then. games. I hate them. I hate day baseball. I mean, it's if like, we got if we're gonna record after the podcast anyway, or after the game anyway. All right, it's a maybe. It's a maybe. It's like it's a whole okay. thing. It's like yeah. I gotta like wake up early. On a Sunday. Well, it's a long weekend, so. Yeah, for people of yeah, regular I jobs. <laughs> I hate when people say that. What are you doing for the long weekend? It's like, oh, yeah, fuck. Well, I work in sports, so either yeah. it doesn't exist or I didn't know it, it's happening. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything to me. What is it, Labor Day? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Well, if you're listening, enjoy your Labor Day with an ice cold blue moon. Belgian white from its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander. Blue Moon Belgian white is one of a kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth creamy finish. 
Why strike out with the same old beer when you can get one that's one of a kind? Best served with a signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful hazy color. A beer this good only comes around once in a blue moon, but you can enjoy it all season long. Break out of your same old beer slump. Blue Moon Belgian White is one of a kind every time. Get Blue Moon Belgian White delivered by visiting get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared to see your delivery options. That is get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared. Blue Moon made brighter. Celebrate responsibly. Blue Moon Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado Ale. Um. Okay, now should we talk about last episode? I feel like pe- yes. people are probably waiting for that. Um, I'm waiting. Yeah, for what the too, fuck? I didn't. I don't know anything that happened because I wasn't here for like. You don't know anything that happened. Season, yeah. Um. So basically, last episode. How I tend to do sometimes, I'll just be like, hey, this is the word on the street, a little scuttlebutt, if you will. I was like, I even prefaced it by saying this is not a report. Like, this is not like sources, breaking news. I didn't say any of that. I actually, I said the opposite. I said, don't take this as breaking news. This is just like word on the street. This is, you know, people talking, which I made the mistake. This is why I don't break news. Because then it gets dissected and you get quite, you get called not credible. I'm like, first of all, you, you, don't ever. You have the Red Sox coming for you. You yeah. have the Red Sox responding immediately. Right. And and I I made this point on the baseball hour with Tony Mass every Wednesday, six or seven p.m. on ninety eight five The Sports Hub. Um, I made this point. You can say whatever the fuck you want about me, and, and it was Sam. It was Sam Kennedy that that came out and addressed it. And like me and Sam have a great relationship, so like he wasn't. He didn't say, I, I talked to him later that night. Like he wasn't like it had nothing to do with me. I don't think. Um, so what is that face, Tyler? It's the first. It's just the first. That's it's the first time that you've ever thought nothing is had anything to do with you. <laughs> you just <laughs> it always you has something lit- to do with you. You say things and you don't like like you just drop them. Like oh, I talked to Sam Kennedy that night after that article dropped. No, no, no. I, I well, didn't he go on EEI and and say it on the air? Was that where it originally happened? I think so. I don't know. I just saw like EEI put it out. So I assumed that he said it on like a, a, a radio hit. I got it originally from the Ken Rosenthal piece, but maybe that's where the actual uh, quotes came from. Yeah. But uh, no, for you to have that conversation that night, that's a, it's a pretty big conversation to have. Hey, just, me you know, and Sam, touching on the subject. I've been tight with Sam since I was like fucking 18 years old. So like it's I get like he's the president and CEO of the Boston Red Sox. But at the same time, to me, that's not Sam, how you like Sam knew him. Yeah. yeah, like I, 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 like I've been here as he's climbed the ranks. So it hasn't like even registered in my brain. Like that's the president CEO of the Boston Red Sox. Like it's fucking Sam. He's just he's awesome. Um, and like the conversation really, it was more just like I need to know that you're not bad at me. <laughs> like I need to know that I I am not something uh, a liability at this point. Uh. So we, you know, we, we talk on the last episode about, you know, oh, I heard like the owners are not super pumped about Heim right now. And, uh, and then Tyler posed the question, like, do you think that he's still going to be here? And I was like, well, uh, I think he has to have, I, I, I would be shocked if he was fired before opening day. And I said that, um, it, you wouldn't. You couldn't guarantee. Yeah, I couldn't guarantee it. 
which was also fair. Like, I can't fucking guarantee. I don't know what they're thinking. Like, if they're mad, if they're not happy with the performance, how can you guarantee that? Like, I can't be like, I can say with certainty, there's no way that they, like, I don't know. They, they've been very reactionary in the past. And again, that was like my opinion. That wasn't like a fucking take. That wasn't a, unless you're that signing wasn't a, the checks, you can't guarantee shit. Yeah. Like, I, I was like, I can't, I can't guarantee that. I don't know. I, but I said I would be very surprised if he was fired before opening day. And I'm not going to like blast anyone that was like tweeting quotes from the podcast. Like, thanks for listening. Like, we appreciate it. If you're a listener, that's great. But I think it, a lot of it was taken out of context. And then when it's read in print instead of the whole scope of what we were taught, like, that's why, like, I treat the podcast like all these Red Sox fans are listening. And it's all of us just like, we're at a bar together and like we've had a couple of beers and like you're asking me what I think. And like, I'm like, oh, well, I heard this. And blah, blah, blah. Like, it's not something that I would tweet out because that's like breaking news. Like, that's like putting it out there in the universe. I forget sometimes that people listen to this that are looking for stuff like that. So, and I don't regret saying it, by the way. I don't because I did hear that. Like, I did, I did hear those things and I put it out there because, you know, I, I, I think for me, uh, I would be doing a disservice to withhold anything that comes. I, I mean, obviously, like I don't say every fucking thing that I hear, but I just thought that it was interesting. And then the Red Sox, specifically Sam Kennedy, was like, "Hey, Alex Cora is going to be back next year, and so is Heim Bloom." And I think some people were like, "Oh, that, that's so embarrassing for Jared." Well, no, no, I didn't. Did I say I have sources that are saying that he's going to get? No, I didn't say that. That's just not how the conversation went on the podcast. But if you only take little bits and pieces in print and you don't listen to the full scope of the conversation, then whatever. I mean, and, and that was what some people were doing is they were they didn't listen to the podcast, but they were giving their opinion on a conversation that happened on the podcast. But one of the biggest fucking idiots of all time, Pete Abraham, um, it, he really is like a true scumbag piece of shit, that guy. So he goes on Nesson and shout out to uh, his name on Twitter is Coach. Because any anytime that I don't, anytime this fucking idiot comes on TV, I don't, I mute it. I, 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 don't, I don't give a fuck about anything that Pete Abraham has to say. But it was interesting because Pete Abraham wrote something in the Boston Globe two days prior to this appearance that we're going to play in a second um, on Nesson. But he, he writes, <laughs> and Maz read this, and I think we just did not see eye to eye on this. Uh, Alex Cora could be in hot water. Here's how. That's, that's the opening line. I, was, I, I mean, I, I assume that he's using hot water in the incorrect turn of phrase there. Because isn't hot water like... Like you're in trouble? Yeah, like you, you're in a controversy. Like that's what hot water is generally used for. The hot seat is like, hey, he might be on the way out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Cora could be in hot water. Here's how. John Henry and Tom Warner have been impulsive with their baseball operations chiefs over the last decade. Ben Charrington lasted a little less than four years. Dombrowski got a little more than four years. Each put together a World Series champion. Heim Bloom is coming up on three years in October and has not won a World Series. Public perception has turned sharply against him in recent weeks after a convoluted and unsuccessful approach at, uh, to the trade deadline. If the owners decide to axe him after the season, 
Bloom could argue that unlike Charrington and Dombrowski, he never had a chance to hire his own manager, which is also not true. Like, Heim Bloom may have heard from the owners and executives like, hey, in case you are asking us, our choice is Alex Cora, but the choice is yours. And I've had this conversation with Heim. I've had this conversation with him. And I told you, it's the only time that there was ever a little bit of fuck you behind what he was saying to me. But I think he took offense to the notion that he was instructed who to hire as manager. So I believe, and you can believe what you want, but having that conversation, reading the body language, the tone and the voice, uh, he, was in, he was in an impossible situation because he, the public knew that the owners wanted Cora, but what if he did too? He's not going to hire someone just to be like, well, I picked that guy just so that people don't think that I'm a puppet. He's not going to do that. What was, the be- what was the best baseball decision? The best baseball decision was to hire Alex Cora because he was the best available managerial candidate at the time. So it can be both. So uh, if the owners decide to ax him after the season, Bloom could argue that unlike Charrington and Dabrowski, he never had the chance to hire his own manager. That's bullshit. Uh, the owners made it clear in 2020 that they wanted Cora back after his suspension and Bloom went along. Bloom could ask for another chance with his own manager and maybe the owners would go along with that. It's unlikely. But given the volatility at Fenway, anything is possible. One way or another, it feels like a decision between Bloom or Cora is coming. That last line, that could be true, but not right now. Like that's not a, like Bloom or Cora is not a decision that the Red Sox are making this winter. They're not. And I could have told you that before uh, Sam Kennedy came out and said that both guys are coming back next year. Um, it didn't feel like you were going to have to choose between Brady or Belichick. It just didn't feel that way. So, <laughs> so you have Pete Abraham saying, well, uh, Alex Cora is in hot water. What the fuck that means? And also, I looked it up, and hot water just means a difficult or dangerous situation. So I guess I mean it could be true. It's applicable. Yeah, I guess I um, give it to him. But he's so right here's wrong. here's stupid ass Pete on Nesson. There's a lot of disappointment with how the Red Sox have played this year. There's a ton of room for improvement, and you're expecting him to have a good off season and add some talent to this team. They have a lot of financial flexibility to do that. To me, that seemed like they were maybe trying to tamp down something nationally by getting that story out there. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Like, all right, so here's the thing. I, to Pete's point earlier, maybe I do think that some things are about me that maybe they aren't. <laughs> Would it surprise me at all if he knew about the last episode? And because, because that, like, whoever, I don't, I, I don't know what the Twitter account was that took the quote from the podcast and put it on Twitter. Uh, that was like picking up steam. And then it was on Red Sox Reddit. So like it was out there. And would it surprise me at all? It, obviously, he's not listening to the podcast. But would it surprise me at all if he saw that tweet and then went on Ness and, and, and was trying to make a jab being like, no, certainly no one with credibility put something like that out there. Not like someone at the Boston Globe, the esteemed Boston Globe. There's no one that would do that. It's like, Pete, 
You wrote the fucking column two days ago. You wrote the column two days ago. And that was before our podcast episode. You fucking fat idiot. <laughs> you fat fucking idiot. That you is a, that is a wild lack, lack of self-awareness. That is crazy. I mean, he, I could, he, I could see he, if he had written he something like... Cora and Bloom <laughs> in the same fucking thing. On the episode that we put out last fucking... The last episode, it wasn't last week. It was the last episode that we did. I opened... No one included this part of it. I was like, hey, if Alex Cora is no longer managing the Boston Red Sox, it's because Alex Cora doesn't want to manage the Boston Red Sox anymore. I told you before Sam told you. He ain't in hot water. He's not. But then like, yeah, you introduce like the Heim Bloom part of it. A lot of that is just like, well, man, if the owners are pissed, then I, yeah, I can't promise you that he'll still have a job. Did I say sources, breaking news, the Red Sox plan on firing Heim Bloom? No, didn't happen. You got to listen to the fucking podcast if you're going to comment on the podcast. So when Pete goes on Nesson and he's like, gee whiz, certainly no one with credibility would put out there that Alex Cora and Heim Bloom could be potentially in, in trouble with their job security. And I could see forgetting about something that you had written like a couple months ago, but uh, two days. fucking two days ago is two fucking days, crazy. I have a bad memory, but days. I think that I would remember fucking writing about that topic two days ago before going to be like, ah, you got, you got no credibility if you're bringing this up. And, and here's the other thing, Pete. Like, because people, like, another thing. All right, hand up. It's on me. I guess in my head... I thought that, you know, people that listen to this podcast, they've been listening to Section 10 forever. And maybe then they don't they weren't along for the ride. Uh, me versus P Dave in 2016. Oh, maybe they there. don't know G-B-O-B, about that. Baby. Maybe they don't know about that. But yeah, me and Pete have a fucking history, and it's him being a piece of shit and me just telling people about it. Like this guy's <laughs> a fucking asshole. He's been an asshole to me for years. Years. And like the whole thing with him is he was nice to me until I got a job doing what he does. Then I became a threat. Then he became a fucking asshole. And I was like, all right, if that's how you want to do this. And this is not like a sour grapes situation where, oh, I had a bad experience with someone, but everyone else likes him. Everyone fucking hates this guy. Everyone. Like, I'm not going to like air dirty laundry in that regard. But like, go fucking talk to anyone in the press box. They'll tell you the same thing. Fuck that guy. He's an asshole. They have stories for days about how much of a fucking douchebag this guy is. So that's honestly like that's that's all it is, is uh, he, he fucking wrote a column two days before going on Nesson and said, Alex Cora is in hot water. Couldn't tell you if, if the Red Sox are going to fire Heim Bloom or not. Then goes on Nesson and says, no one with credibility would ever say that. <laughs> yeah. My, did, my dude took a big steamy shit in the Boston Globe, then rolled around on it, and then went and did a hit on Nesson. Yeah. Good for you, pal. Yeah. And go. if anyone wants to know the full history, I mean, I'm not going to shout out the website, but if you just Google Pete Abraham, Boston Globe, Jared Carabas, the first thing that will come up is the blog that I wrote about this. And it is just, it is like a bar for bar, just takedown of someone that, that at that point in time, 2016, 
there weren't many like media versus me like no one was doing that like a lot of people in the media especially in boston you could be an asshole and there would be no repercussions for that because if if i'm an asshole and i work for the boston globe and i piss off someone at the boston herald that guy at the herald is not then going to write a column about how much of an asshole you are i could do that so i did that so if there's anyone that doesn't know the history here i would suggest that Google search and then just, you know, click on the top search result and you'll read it and you'll be like, wow, fuck this guy. Like what a what a piece of shit. Um so I'm I'm happy. I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy that this came back. Uh, because I just I needed to feel something this year. You know, this team has really taken all the wind out of my sails. Uh it's it's been a it's been a good year, but it's also been a real shit year. And uh, a lot of the things that have been shitty about my year, I haven't been able to do anything about it. Do anything about it. I, I, so normally I would say that back. like, if it was anybody else, normally I would say, wow, this is a pretty big stretch that Jared's making this about him. Uh, but in this case, I think it's very plausible that this was actually about you because knowing, knowing you, knowing your history with Pete Abe, it does seem very plausible that this was a shot at you. <laughs> Yeah, I'm out. I'm I'm actually willing to say that it was very likely a shot at you. Uh, I think I'll join that as well. It was very much an attempted shot. Yeah, yes, it was yeah. very much a Plaxico Burris situation. Um, <laughs> I think I think he saw the tweet that someone took a quote from the podcast. I don't think he listened to the podcast. I think he saw the quote that was going around because otherwise you would just say, I don't think anyone's reported that you wouldn't include the note like, well, at least no one with credibility. Like you're trying to say, and that like, it's almost like a callback because he he did essentially say like I have no credibility before. Uh, and by the way, I'm in the dugout every fucking weekend. Every weekend, I never see him down there. I saw him down there once this season, and it was the most awkward, cringeworthy, uncomfortable thing I've ever seen. It was when Jackie Bradley was there still, and he had his kids there, and they were running around and they were playing with baseballs, and this fucking creep comes down and he like tries to like start playing with Jackie's kids and he's like, oh, we got a little slugger here, huh? Right here. Oh, look at that rocket, a future big leaguer, huh? And like, dude, leave the fucking guy's kids alone. Like, you're a weirdo, dude. Get the fuck out of here. That's the only time I've ever seen him down on the field this year was that one time. But he has more credibility. And this is, we're talking about the same dude that and players have told me this too. This is the same dude that he'll go up to like a player and be like, oh, what kind of Jordans are those? And then they'll tell him and then he'll show up with them like the next day. And watch if you watch Nesson when he's on, he used so now he's like on the field or whatever. But when he used to do the hits on uh, Nesson in the press box, he would he would have the camera on him in the press box. Right. And this is for like the YouTube people. But try and picture this. He has this like watch and I'm not a watch guy. I'm assuming it's an expensive watch, but he'll sit there with his arms folded like this so that the watch is always on top. And he'll sit there pose like this, not like a normal person, like I'm doing for this entire podcast with my hands under the table. God knows what I'm doing down there. Uh, but he'll sit there with his arms folded and the watch on top because he wants you to see his, his cool watch. This is the type of fucking guy that he is. He's a fucking loser. And he'll never say anything to me ever, 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 ever. He hasn't blocked me. Um, I don't know why. I know he untagged himself from that video that I tweeted out because he doesn't like he got like a million tweets about it. Um, but yeah, he'll never say anything to me because what are you going to say? What are you going to say? Stop being mean to me? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, dude. 
<laughs> after something like that, did you like did you hear anything back after that video and you tweeted it out? Like, did anyone reach out and was like, he's upset about it? Da, 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 or does it just kind of he takes the L and just keeps quiet because he knows what's happened in the past? What year? What year was that? Uh, that video of the the midget dude that was like, you're not God or my boss. What year was oh, that? Bagel boss. Bagel boss. What year is that? Like Tony eight, Maz. 18, 19, maybe 19. Let's see. I think it was, it doesn't, the year really doesn't matter. But anyways, Big like 2019. Boss, 2019. Yeah. So, uh, that video was hot in the streets. And then there was like some video of him like interviewing someone, but they were like <laughs> six feet taller than him. So I like tweeted out the, a, a picture of my TV and I like made like a bagel boss like reference and was asked to take it down. They're like, you, you know, you can't do that. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, hmm. I tweeted out that video and like, listen, you can't like it. You can't. It, the media is is part of the story now. Like, you know, if you're going to the same way, like if I you know, said something on the podcast last week and then it becomes a narrative. Right. And if you're going to go on TV, the, the Red Sox owned network. And you're going to say things. We can't. You can't be told not to comment on that, especially when it was that egregious. Like you're saying that no one with credibility said anything about Cora or Bloom's jobs being in jeopardy. You said that two days ago. So I mean, it is what it is. Guy's a fucking moron. (laughs) Thank you. You guys like coffee? Big coffee guy. Yeah. Jake, you like coffee, dude? Oh, it's the best. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah. You didn't ask me, Jared. I know that you like coffee because you don't sleep. <laughs> there's no way that... Uh, I was going to say there's no way Milken's a coffee guy. I fucking hate coffee. I knew <laughs> it. I knew it. Really? You don't I drink coffee? No. Nah, Have you... All right. Let me ask you this. Have you tried it and it's just not for you or you just like never got into it? I've tried it like so I used to do the overnights at 98.5 when I first started working mm-hmm. there and that was the first time I started drinking coffee and I tried and I would and I I put like five or six sugar packets in it and I still couldn't do it. It was just so bitter. It was so gross. So I, it I, sounds I like knew, you need to try I trade. Knew, I knew you weren't a coffee guy. I don't Is, know how. Just knew. That's Jake. Are you a coffee guy? I, you, Jake, he loves you it. me as like an iced coffee guy. I didn't like it, but then once I started doing trade, they really find the right that's coffee for you. you so exactly, no, and that's what we need. Maybe to do I need to do that. Yeah, we need to do this with Todd. You're trying the wrong coffees. That's your problem. Um, it's crazy that so many of us enjoy the finer things in life, and so many of us settle for blah coffee, which is what Tyler's doing. With trade coffee, you can start every morning with something special. Wouldn't that? Doesn't that sound nice to you, Tyler? I need something to really start my day. And maybe this could be what gets me there. Yeah. I'm one of those people that drinks a lot of coffee, but I couldn't tell you exactly what makes a good cup of coffee taste so great. All I know is that when I get my coffee, it's from Trade Coffee because it's great. So you just haven't had a great coffee yet. So let me tell you about Trade Coffee. It's a coffee subscription service, unlike anything that you tried before, because they partner with the top independent roasters to freshly roast and send the best coffees in the country directly to your home on your preferred schedule. Because trust me, I have, uh, I do like these, uh, these like hair gummies. <laughs> I do these hair gummies. You're only supposed to take one. 
But like sometimes it's like, oh, like I forgot to take it that morning or like, oh, I traveled and I didn't bring my gummies with me. So I'm like always like lopsided. But then they'll be like, oh, the month is up. We're just going to send you another one and then we'll send you another one. Then it's like, oh, fuck. Now I got to like have like three gummies just to like catch up so that I'm not like drowning in gummies. Uh, But with trade, it's not like that. Your trade experience can be as simple or sophisticated as you want. You can quickly select from curated collections by roast, flavor profile, brewing method, and more. Their team of experts do all the work, taste testing hundreds of coffees. How many coffees would you say that you've taste tested, Tyler? Two? No more than three. Okay. So they've taste tested hundreds of coffees from across the United States every month to curate over 450 exceptional coffees that make the cut. Or if you want something curated just for you, then take a minute to complete Trade's Coffee Questionnaire. You'll be expertly matched with your perfect coffee and a fresh bag of beans will be on its way. The coffee that I get from Trade is amazing. It's how I start my day every single day now. I think uh, I trust the experts with my life. I kind of want them to like pick out like my clothes. I'm like, what do you guys think about what do you guys think about these shoes? Do you guys like these shoes? It's like at this point, if you can find me the perfect coffee, I'll, you can probably find the perfect outfit. You can find the perfect anything for me. That's how much I trust Trade. And Trade is the easiest way to get your very best tasting coffee delivered fresh when you need it. You've got nothing to lose because Trade guaranteed. Listen to this part, Tyler. Are you listening? I'm listening. Trade guarantees you will love your first bag. And if you don't, they will work directly with you to replace it for free. Zero dollars. Zero dollars to replace it. And they will work with you to find the best one. So if you want to support small businesses and brew the best cup of coffee that you've ever made at home, it's time to try Trade Coffee. And right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping at drinktrade.com slash Jared. That is drinktrade.com slash Jared for $30 off your subscription for the best coffees in the country. The country, dude. The country. <clears throat> That's how strongly I feel about trade. Changed Jake's life. How many hours a week would you say you put in, Jake? 50. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do an hour over 40 without trade. Right. And that's, is that counting meetings or no? No. I mean, if you're talking meetings, it's definitely over 100. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Jake crushed a meeting today. It was a hell of a meeting. It was a hell of a meeting. Talking the uh, postseason, even though the Red Sox will not guaranteed won't be there, but there's a chance that they might miss. Um, big win tonight, though. But if uh, I, at this point, it is uh, less than one percent amongst all uh, playoff odds. Is it less than one percent like now? B refs at 0.4, Fangrass is at 0.7, and 538 just says less than one. I've had an 0.4% chance of doing something that I've done in my life. And I did it. So can, can you tell us what that is? It has to do with boobs. <laughs> oh, wow. So never say never, Tyler. I won't after that. Yeah. It's inspirational. <laughs> Get it added. Yeah. So never say never. But we had a meeting this morning about uh, the playoffs, what we're going to be doing, um, what we want to do, what we're going to try to do. I'm excited about it. Um, 
<laughs> there's some things I don't know. We probably can't say exactly what we have in store yet. Some things are still in the works, but there are some things I'm pretty pretty excited about. I think some some of the things that I'm excited about are happening, but I'll just save it for when we're ready to unleash all of it. The fury. Yeah. There was something that, there was something else that I wanted to talk about. Was it I gotta that, start writing shit it, down? Do you do that, Pete? Do you like write yeah, shit down during I, the week? I've, I'll forget everything if I don't write. I, I've learned that in the past couple of years. I just write down everything now. You, you, I you should get a, down. You should get one of these things. What it's is like it? The, the remarkable tablet. I like writing. Like I like the feeling of actually writing shit down. You're a hipster, yeah. And uh, th- that's like that thing is awesome because it actually feels like writing, but it'll like save it and upload it to the cloud and shit. That seems dangerous. What do you mean? You should Everything put all your ideas into the cloud and then Everything Steve gets Jobs uploaded to the cloud whether you know it or not. The cloud knows everything. Yeah, that's true. Concern. The cloud owns your entire life. It's mm-hmm. all up there. Mm-hmm. You're not getting it back. So just, That's fine. Just submit to the cloud, bitch boy. Yeah. It's just pictures <laughs> of my butt. <laughs> nice. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Speaking of my butt, I think I'm going to get a uh, Stairmaster. What inspired this? Um, just like you feel like you're getting fat. Don't you like live on like, oh, you live on like what, like the f- six, fourth floors? Floor. I, that's the fourth weird floor. thing. I've only ever lived on the fourth floor. That is pretty weird. I've lived in three different apartments. Yeah, but you live in a tall building. So just wa- use the stairs. Nah, I don't go outside enough. <laughs> There is a very good point by Pete. No, it's not because I don't go outside enough. Here, all right. So here's why I think I need a stair. You can do it inside. Yeah, you can use the inside stairs. My apartment is two floors, and it's no. So you don't even have to leave your apartment. You mean like you don't want to go outside of like your apartment door? I don't have to. No, there are stairs inside my apartment. You realize there's an issue here. Who? No, because going downstairs is easier than going upstairs. If you have a stairmaster, you go just up go upstairs. Yeah, so you go up the stairs. I would, right, you, I would actually disagree with that. Like, I don't going know. Going downstairs is, sound, is so easy. Pick up speed. It, it is, but it isn't. Like, it takes, it takes like more force to stop the momentum. Like, it's that's, easy that's to like go more downstairs. like agility this drills is, than. Like you're not, yeah. Jake. What's harder, going I upstairs think, or downstairs? I think that I would. Hold on. I think Jake. that I would. I would hold legitimately on. have a okay. An expert. Right. What is harder, going upstairs or downstairs? I mean, it's going upstairs. It's really not even close. <laughs> yeah, it's really not even close. <laughs> yeah, this is an all-time bad take. No, Pete, I'm sorry. I legitimately, I, I think that like going downstairs <laughs> is tougher on your knees. I guess it's de- depending on like how how fast how swiftly you're we're going talking up we're talking about like what can you get the best best workout workout out of and you're telling me that going downstairs is the same as going upstairs is a terrible take i think going downstairs for a workout would be way harder no it wouldn't how how like on your knees it would be way harder no, because to go up the stairs, you have to plant and push off. We've had some yeah, that's like extension. That's extension of the knee. Like that is that's that's you're you're actually Dude, like pushing off. 
But like, taking, yes, that's my point. Taking, you're pushing off to get up the stairs. You're taking the impact of going downstairs. You're going for a against that is going gravity. To, that's it. Have you studied gravity? Do you know I'm gravity? You the impact of going downstairs would be harder on your body than trying to climb stairs. I am. I'm very strongly about that. I'm embarrassed for you right now. <laughs> yeah. And that's coming from me. Yeah. That's coming from me. I say some stupid shit. Yeah, this is a bad I think that the impact of going downstairs would be much more difficult for like a like an hour. You're so lucky it's one o'clock in the morning right now because I would have called anyone and been like, I, like <laughs> I, I'm just going to go through my contacts right now and be like, who's awake <laughs> to chime in on this? What does Matt Barnes think of this? They're probably on a flight. I'm going to ask Matt Barnes this question. He's fired up coming off a save. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> got a question. Got a question for you. Oh, it went through. Okay, we're going to ask him. Good. Okay. <laughs> All right. I, I stand by this take. This do, is a do you have thing. an experience or something that yeah, led you like, down this pathway in life? Yeah, because, like, if you're trying to go downstairs swiftly, you're like trying to stay in control of your body. And like not fucking fall down the flight. Of st- it's way easier to fall downstairs, by the way, than it is fall upstairs. Think about that. So if you're doing that for like an extended period of time, you're going to be trying to not fall downstairs and you're going to be absorbing the impact of going downstairs in your lower body and your knees. And it's going to be fucking painful. <laughs> I don't like how you're assuming I don't fall up the stairs. You can fall up the stairs and it's pretty easy, but you're not going to really go anywhere. The damage of falling downstairs is way more. (laughs) You're just like not even thinking about it the way that normal people like it's way more dangerous to fall down the stairs and up. We're not talking about falling down stairs that burn calories, but you're talking about doing it as like a workout, which means you're going to be doing it repeatedly for an extended period of time. If you walk down 30 flights of stairs, you might burn half a calorie. Right, but that's I'm not talking about walking down. What are you talking Running? about? Sprinting downstairs? You're talking about doing it for a workout. He Matt Barnes said up. It's not even a fucking debate. He, he even said, all right, I said, is it harder to go upstairs or downstairs? He said up, not even a debate. Well, of course, like that. That's <laughs> as com- expected. That's completely out of context. No, there it's needs not. To be, yes, it, yes, it is. If you were to just say that to me, like if you were to ask me what is easier going upstairs or downstairs, the answer is downstairs. But what is more? Di- You're the only person who would say that. <laughs> what? No, I just said it's it's easier to go downstairs. Yeah. So what are you talking about? What it's, are you talking it's, about? It's harder to go downstairs as a workout. So is it harder to actually like, work out and burn calories by going down the stairs? Are you arguing the same point as we are? No, no, no. Like, I, I think that, like, I it's definitely like harder. Pete's brain. It's definitely like harder to burn calories going downstairs. But I like I think I would rather just continuously go upstairs <laughs> than like go up or downstairs. <laughs> Are you high? You know, oh, when you put it like that, it really makes a lot of sense, Pete. Thank you. <laughs> Are you proud of yourself? I stand by my take. It's a terrible take. It's very bad. And I think, uh, you know what? You know what this is, Tyler? 
This is a what? genius. This is a genius ploy by Pete. So Pete, wow, Pete will get tweets of people being like, "Dude, fuck you! You said when the uh, uh, hockey season's over that you were gonna come back on, and you're never on." So oh, he's man. turning those tweets into tweets about stairs. That's what he's wow. doing. I've gotten a wow. lot of those tweets lately, by the way. Now they're going to be, you're a fucking idiot because you think <laughs> that walking down the stairs is harder than walking upstairs. I didn't say walking down the stairs is more difficult than walking upstairs. I said that going downstairs is takes way more of a toll on your body than going upstairs. They're both just wrong, dude. That's not <laughs> wrong. I think going downstairs takes way more of a toll on your body than going upstairs. I need to like, take it. And a, that's why I think going downstairs is more difficult. In the, the, in the context of a workout. I'll tell you this right now. I'll give you a little inside scoop here. I hurt have my you ever fucking... Tried, uh, well, this is a difficult question for you because yeah. you don't do legs. But have you I ever started. Tried, have, you ever, have you tried walking downstairs after a hard leg day? Yeah, you feel it, but you definitely feel it more pushing off to go I up dis- the stairs. I disagree. I disagree. It, you don't feel it as much going upstairs because you're extending. But when you're going down the stairs, you're absorbing the impact of going down the stairs. And after you work out legs, it fucking kills. Yeah, I mean, I just had that experience recently because I just did legs for the first time on Thursday. So, like, by Saturday... I know what you mean. Like it sucks going downstairs after a leg day, but yeah. like walking. I up- think I think I just made a little bit of movement in no. this argument. No, no, because like doing like going up a stair is almost like a mini leg press. Yeah, right. It is. It's it's like an explosive upwards thing. Yep. But absorbing the impact of going downstairs is more. <laughs> Like uncomfortable and painful than going up after doing but a leg that's day. That's not sure. what we were. Th- that, that that's not the workout. We're, we're talking about a workout. Yeah, you're talking no, about you're like, talking about doing I, damage. Obviously, I think that like in the in the like when the argument is shaped is like what's a better workout? Going All upstairs right. is obviously a better. Oh workout. no 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 no! Pete, now you're moving goalposts. No, here. I'm not. Yes, that I was s- not the argument. I said the entire time I'd rather go upstairs. <laughs> I know that that's the better workout. I just think it the, it's more, it takes more of a toll on the body to go downstairs. So I would rather go upstairs the entire time. <clears throat> and now I don't yeah, even I, know I, what we're talking about. I don't know about. anything you just said. <laughs> I don't think I even understood what you were talking about. This is. The subreddit will get into this. They they will They'll decipher where you were going. Yeah, through. like the only the only like Reddit thread that came out of like everyone was freaking out about the Heim Bloom stuff, <laughs> like amongst Red Sox fans. The only thing that came out of last episode on the Section Ten Reddit was uh, Applebee's versus the ninety nine. <laughs> Which let's put that out there. A majority of people agreed with me. I also ran Wait, a poll at the take? Sports Hub. Now, this is the worst take Jared's ever had. So I, you can repeat it. I didn't even say that that Applebee's was better. I just said he basically said the 99 was a shit restaurant. That's not and he'd no. eat Applebee's. Here's what any I said. Other day. Uh, I need. Here's what I said, Pete. Uh, no, no, no. I need Jake. Explain. Explain to me the two. Well, takes let me here. just Jake's, state Jake's my an case first. Party. Jake was probably not even like listening. He's probably tuned out because who the fuck cares about Applebee's versus 99? Here's what I said. I do. 
Here's what I, I said, do. Pete. I okay. said uh, I was ordering the fettuccine Alfredo with broccoli because the 99 got rid of their chicken, broccoli, and ziti, and it was my favorite. It's the best chicken, broccoli, and ziti I've ever had. And they took it off the menu and said it was seasonal. Like, no, it's not at all. It's not fucking pumpkin spice broccoli. It's not. So they took it off the menu. Correct there. And and the the next best... It's a safety thing. The next best chicken, broccoli, and ziti experience that I've had has been at Applebee's. So that's why I got Applebee's. I never said Applebee's was better than the 99. It's just like if I want chicken, broccoli, and ziti, like they have a really good one. I mean, I guess my just like overall take from this whole thing would just be you got to expand your horizons a little bit more. If the best chicken, broccoli, and ziti you've ever had is at the 99 and the second best is at Applebee's. I didn't say it was just, the second best. <laughs> you you just said the next best <laughs> that I've had was that Applebee's. That would be second. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, so we're just making it clear that 99 is better than Applebee's. Is I, that what I, you're saying, Jared? I definitely yeah. believe that 99 is better okay. than Applebee's. We're yes. good. Yeah. We're, we're 99 okay, is better Jake. than Applebee's. Yeah. Gold fever wings. Yeah, they, I'm a Buffalo guy, but I respect you. They literally have a plate that is designed for me. It's half chicken fingers, half steak tips. That <clears> is fucking hell yeah, brother. That's not even... I've never seen that offered anywhere else. It's not something that you nope. have to be like, hey, no. I know this is a weird request, but can you put half chicken fingers and half steak tips? No. Like, they you can, still wouldn't do it for you. Yeah. Like, it's a like, thing even on if menu. you requested that, I don't think most places would do it. They'd be like, yeah, well, they'd be like, you can order a steak restaurant. tip dinner and then I guess order a side of chicken fingers if you want. Like most places would do that. But at the 99, that's a real thing. Also, the 99 has just like the coldest beers that you've ever had in your entire fucking Correct. life. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. The blue moon just flows from the tap there. That's right. Mm. <clears throat> well, I need some CBDMD to wind down after that conversation because now I'm all fired up about stairs. Um, and uh, <clears throat> CBDMD, they are the leaders in hemp-based CBD and Delta 9 and THC products. These guys have everything that you could possibly need to just straight up feel better. And their latest breakthrough is Delta 9 THC. These sneaky innovators found a way to get these Delta 9 THC products shipped directly to your door. Now, some restrictions may apply because, of course, they do. So check your local laws before purchasing. But I'm telling you, this stuff is the real deal. They've got gummies packed with 10 milligrams of THC. Perfect for winding down after watching the Red Sox blow yet another lead. But they did not tonight. Now it's just talking about stairs that I need to wind down from. And if 10 milligrams sounds like a lot to you, well, CBDMD has you covered with their microdose soft gels with just one milligram of THC. These little guys pack a punch that's perfect for all day support whenever and wherever you need it the most. Don't get all caught up in technicalities. This is the same THC that you've come to know and love over the years, just extracted from hemp. I will be taking them immediately after we get off this podcast. A little uh, stop and shop look ahead coming up and then immediately pop in some of these gummies. Uh, to learn more about Delta 9 and everything else CBDMD has to offer, just head to CBDMD.com. Once again, that is CBDMD.com for information, education, and the best damn gummies that you've ever had. And you must be 21 years or older to purchase Delta 9 for the record. <clears throat> um, okay. The stop and shop look ahead as uh, <laughs> this podcast somehow. Some way approaches two hours. I blame I blame Pete. Yeah, I Both mean, I, we didn't even talk about the one thing that I wanted to talk about. What's that? Fine. What's that? 
just the TikTok of that dude outside of Fenway <laughs> who was oh, yeah. oh, my the God. hottest Red yes. Sox player. <clears throat> yeah. And was just like the worst guy in the world. Of all the people that you could have featured, I mean, I guess there's probably plenty of TikToks made of Red Sox fans, but they don't go viral unless you're like super insecure. I'm like, I'm definitely not gay, so I'm not going to answer that question. It's like, how could you not be, how could you not be like fumbling over your words being like, Bobby Dahlbeck, uh, Xander, uh, a lot of hot guys on the team. That was my takeaway. It's like, dude, just fucking pick one. There's so many good looking dudes on this team. It's the last redeeming quality of the 2022 Boston Red Sox is that they're just very hot. Yeah. Just fucking pick one of them. Bobby, Xander. Um, I don't Nate. think Trevor Story gets enough love in this conversation. Trevor Story's he's not pretty, hot. He, he can he's, be cute. He's, oh, he's, he's, not he's middle of the lineup, but he, he's a decent he's, looking guy. Yeah, good, he's not a good ugly. looking lad. Nate's, Nate's pretty good looking. Nate's hot. Yeah. Uh, Xander, even like JD's. JD's good looking dude. JD's attractive. Bitches love JD. Kike. Kike is very yeah. attractive too. Yeah. Underrated. Yep. Like just Alex Cora with a beard. Pick, man. You know how many, you know how many girls are like, damn, AC got that scruff. Mm. Well, the, the D word being thrown around a lot with Alex Cora with that beard. Major Dill vibes. I was, I was thinking daddy, but yeah. Oh, you're right. mm. <laughs> that's right. I was thinking it. Everybody else was too. Listen, newly here, but Eric Hosmer. Eric Hosmer is very attractive, man. Come on. Yeah. I mean, his wife is Casey McDonald. Right. Like, my point exactly. Come on. Matt Barnes. Yeah. Sneaky. Sneaky. Good looking. Meanwhile, this dude on the TikTok is like, I've never even looked at a man. <laughs> <laughs> I have never and will never. Definitely not. Hmm. I'm not gay. <laughs> Why are you asking me that? Mm. Yeah. Well, well, I'm glad we got that out of the way. This is I wanted to address it. <laughs> I, I had a little thing of my own, sure. a little more geared toward the baseball stuff. Yeah, but yeah. I thought with today, with Michael Walker doing what Michael Walker did mm-hmm. once again, uh, continuing to really be the anchor of the staff this year. Yeah. I've been kind of looking forward to next year and trying to plan that rotation in my head. And I, I think it's going to be something like Sale, Whitlock, Pavetta, Bayo, and you're going to have to find another arm in that group. At this point, there's been the talk of trying to bring Nate back either on the QO or just signing him to, you know, a two or three year deal. And then now there's a lot of talk and I feel like a lot of Twitter tonight saying I want Michael Walker here and I'd like him on a two or three year deal. Yeah, I'd if love you to had to pick back. a side of the fence, Walker, which way would you go? Yeah, I want Walker back. I want Walker over Evaldi. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, there's injury concerns with both. Um, how old's Walker? Thirty-one. Thirty-one. Which oh, is he's older stunning. than I thought. Older than you thought? Yeah, I thought Walker was like forty when they signed him. Well, he, he broke in. He's been around like 13, fucking right? forever. Yeah. He was. Yeah, he was on that 2013 team that they beat yeah. in the World Series. Like. Yeah, you're right. Then next year will be 33 for Nate. Damn. Um, I mean, I guess I Nate, this, Nate's got the pedigree. That's it. The ceiling's <laughs> higher with Nate, but do you trust him to stay healthy? You know, you've got one year of true 
kind of ace quality level of Nate, yeah. and every other year has been a tick down. Well, he's due. Even when, before he got hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'd take Nate. I think there's something to be said about the been there, done that part. I mean, Walk has been there, not really done that, but like he's been there. This has been Beat? a while. I mean, <clears throat> I, it's tough. Like, I want to reward Waka for being like the one fucking steady dude <laughs> that, that has been in the rotation this year. And like, he's been around for a long time. It's not like a flash in the pan type of deal. He's, I, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to say Waka. I want Waka back here next year. I want both Jake. back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that's not the question, though. Yeah, I'm down for both of them. <laughs> kick Whit- The thing is, you get both right and you kick Whitlock, say, to the bullpen, then you have three guys in your rotation who are known for breaking down and not making it through a season. Yeah. You need more than the 2022 Red Sox. Why don't we just you need a bring back Paxton and make it four? Like, yeah. anybody think that Paxton was going to fucking play this year? Because I never did. No. Thought we'd get maybe a couple weeks. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, I thought we could September is like a let's see what he's got. <clears throat> Where are we he's at? gonna finish out his con. He, is this the last year of his contract? Second year of two year deal? No, he's Paxton. Yeah, this, he's got two options. But they, I think if they pick up one, they pick up both, right? Yeah. So if they pick up the option, it's a two year deal for twenty six. And if they decline it, he has a four million player option to stay here. Okay. Is he ever gonna pitch in Red Sox uniform? <laughs> he might just. He might just make like $15 million to rehab with the Red Sox and then go sign somewhere else. Yeah. That's going to suck. Like if, if next year, like he is like an absolute stud, yeah, he probably just got paid it, yeah. $15 million just to rehab with the Red Sox. And they also knew that really, like, it's not like he got hurt at the beginning of the year and they're like, fuck, like they knew all along, like maybe September, but yeah. Anyways. Uh, the Texas Rangers are coming to town. Woo. Talk about who gives a shit. Uh, Rich Hill versus Glenn Otto. Isn't that the drummer for Limp Bizkit? That's John Otto. Mm. Nick Pavetta versus Dallas Keuchel. No idea how he still is just getting big league innings right now. Worst pitcher in Major League Baseball right now. I think, has he been with three teams just this year? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, Brian Bayo versus a no-name starter. I'm not, I'm not dissing the starter. They just haven't named one. Uh, and then Cutter Crawford versus Dane Dunning. Uh, Glenn Otto, he fucking sucks. Six and eight, four, seven, nine ERA, a 139 whip, and a 6.7 strikeouts per nine. Uh, his FIP is 5.29. His walks per nine sucks. It's 4, 4.9. He has 54 walks in 99 and two-thirds innings. He's allowed 53 earned runs. So he kind of sucks. Um, he only has two starts all year with more than five strikeouts, and he's made 20 starts. Uh, he's not allowed a home run in his last two starts, but before that, he gave up one in six straight starts. His slider is his only pitch above 28% with whiff rate. Sits at 32. Uh, he's given up 11 doubles this year. 10 have been on breaking pitches. The Rangers are 9-11 and 11 when he starts. But they've won his last four. Uh, Devers and JD have homers off this shit bomb. 
Uh, Dallas Keuchel. Yikes. Yikes. What's the ERA? Um, <clears throat> he has an 8.84 and a 2.05 whip. Nice. 13 starts for three different teams. So, <laughs> in 13 starts, he has allowed six plus earned runs in six of them. 11 home runs in 56 innings. 28 walks, 39 strikeouts. His teams, plural, all three of them, are 4-9 and nine when he pitches this year. The Rangers are 0-1. Uh, Red Sox hitters are hitting 316 with a 902 OPS against him. Eight doubles, six homers. Uh, Kike has got two homers. Story, Fam, Bogey, and JD also have home runs against him. That feels like a win. Uh, Dane Dunning, three and seven, a 416 ERA, a 140 whip, 7.9 strikeouts per nine. Uh, his ERA, FIP, whip, they're all about his career average um, for a third year pitcher. His uh, strikeouts per nine has fallen every single year, 9.38.7 to 7.9. Uh, he's, just, he's a mediocre pitcher. 20, 25 starts, 14 with two or three earned runs allowed. Uh, he doesn't blow up much. Only three, only three starts with five-plus earned runs. Um, he's only pitched into the seven three times this year. He's not finished five innings seven times this year. His sinker sucks, 294 batting average against, 438 slug. Slider's pretty good, one, 193 batting average against. The Rangers are 8-17 and 17 when he pitches and have lost his last two. Red Sox hitters, 333 with a 931 OPS. Bogarts, 3-for-6 with a homer. Verdugo, 2-for-6 with two doubles. Okay. Um... And obviously, we don't know who Sun. No, Saturday starter is. That game's going to be on ESPN. Okay, uh, four game series against the Texas Rangers. Prediction time, uh, Peter. I'll start with you. I'm going to say uh, Red Sox four game sweep. What? I don't think that. I really don't think that that the Texas Rangers get enough credit for how pathetic of an organization that they are. It, it they're sneakily one of the worst organizations in sports. Pretty bad. And they never get thrown into that mix. Like they somewhat, they somehow have like an air of respectability to them when they, when they really shouldn't that team forever sucks with like the exception of two seasons in which they made it to the world series and then choked it away. Like, they've been around for 62 years, and they made the playoffs eight times. Never won a World Series. Eight times, never won a World Series. Eight seasons in 62 years is fucking pathetic. For, for a team that, like, is in a good market, like, the, in a state that really does care about baseball, a lot of people, like a lot of good baseball players come from Texas. They seemingly have a decent amount of money in that organization. They're building a new ballpark. They just built a new ballpark. Like even when they were had the old Arlington ballpark, that was like seemingly had like some mystique to it. That team sucks. Very bad. 
Four game sweep. <laughs> Fuck the Rangers. Four game sweep based on uh, uh, just historical perspective. Exactly. Tyler? I'm going to go Red Sox three out of four. Okay. I, I do think it's going to be a positive series. I do look at the Rangers. I, I have a harder time laughing at them because you are closer to them than you are the Twins or the Orioles right now. Uh, really, Texas is the team behind you if you're looking at the standings uh, for the wild card or one of the playoff spots. But in terms of where the Red Sox are at, it's Nick Pavetta against a non-ALE's team. He should be pretty good. Cutter Crawford's been absolute ass for a month straight. Uh, I think he's due for a good start. And then you're telling me you're going to get a Brian Bayo start and a Rich Hill start. You know, I'll take my chances. I, I think they can pull one of those out. And I think the lineup, like you said, some success here. Um, I think they get hot. And I'm really excited about where Trevor Story's at right now. I've liked what I've seen and I'm expecting a big series from him. Oh, okay. Uh, Jake, what do you got? Uh, I'm with Pete. I feel like this is a four game Red Sox sweep. Yeah. Okay. Let's fucking go, Jake. Uh, Jared did that thing again where he waited for everyone else to go. <laughs> I got a split. Negative Nancy over here. It's not negative. I talked. Why? Winning two games in a series is bad now. Since when? You just were always a positive guy. That's pretty positive. Winning it's two not, games in one when series. You also lose two bad. games. It's pretty middle of the line. That's pretty uh, negative. What I will say. Point out it's the positive if they if they win the last two because then we have a positive podcast. Yeah. Is that your prediction? I think I think they're yeah. definitely going to win the Dallas Keuchel game. <clears throat> I, th- I think they go loss, bread. win, loss, win. Well, we w- it would be a positive podcast because we'd, we'd be thinking about the possibility of them dropping three out of four to the Texas Rangers and then yeah. it'd be a series split and then sure. we'd feel pretty positive. So yeah, I'm feeling positive. It would be a positive I, podcast. I think there's going to be some good vibes. We're going to get some call-ups today, technically. It's September 1st now. A little fresh juice, maybe a little Connor Wong action in there. If Tristan Cassis gets arm, called up this weekend, then I'll, I think all predictions, all predictions are, are negated. And, because I, and I, will be, I will be at Fenway. Yeah, if he gets called up, I'm going. Like I will, yeah. I'm probably gonna have to make the trip too. Yeah, I will not miss Tristan Cassis's uh, Fenway debut. I would like to stand next to Tristan Cassis because I he, have. He's a moose. Yeah, Huge. like it. It'll look similar to me standing next to Morrissey. Big Cass. Yeah, yeah. I think you. One of the he's way bigger in person too. Cassis. Yes. Like he looks big in pictures and in video, but like. If you stand next to him, you're like, Jesus Christ. I mean, some of those, all I've, all I've really seen is like the minor league clips of him hitting home runs. And he just literally looks like somebody who forged their birth certificate in a little league, <laughs> little league game. It's outrageous. Yeah. I don't want to get meant to play baseball with that body type. Yeah. I don't want to get too excited about Cassis, but um, give it a couple weeks. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know. I don't know what the deal. Is. I don't know what the holdup is, but. We'll see. Um, any final thoughts, Jake? Jake's takes? Uh, you know how in hockey when there's a hat trick and everyone throws their hats onto the ice? Yeah. I think for the last month of the season, just to have a little fun, and I'm not saying the Red Sox aren't going to make the playoffs because they still have a 0.9% chance to make it, mm-hmm. but um, 
I think when Matt Barnes makes a save, everyone should throw backpacks on the field. I love that idea. That's a, it's a good idea. Flawed in execution because Fenway will not allow you to bring backpacks into this into the arena. Not unless they know what it's for. And then they'll definitely won't let you. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's right. I mean, the this the Fenway rules are extremely strict. I've seen like every time I go to a game, I see a girl on the verge of tears being like that my bag is so small and I can't bring it in. Yeah. Every weird. time. What happened? I I guess I don't know. I mean I I it, every time I go, I I see somebody being like, Are you serious? I can't bring this in. And it's basically like the size of a wallet. That is a little, eh, whatever. Safety first. Do what you got to do. That's right. Yeah. Can never be too safe, Peter. That's right. You know, it's never happened to me at Fenway. What? Never gotten stabbed. Yeah. So keep it up. Keep up, keep up the good work, guys. <laughs> good job, everybody. Um, Tyler, any final negative thoughts that you may be uh, holding in? What is this negativity you're addressing? Am I a negative person? Is that what I've become? Sometimes. Well, it, I think- why? Because I shit on Ryan Brazier. Do any, is that do you have why? Any positive thoughts? Do you have any positive thoughts about Ryan Brazier? Just, just in general. No. Just, do you have any positive things? That you want the to say? negative thing probably comes from like when we start the podcast. You like open up a notebook and it's like forty-five pages long, and you go on well, like a massive rant about everything you hate. And then we're forty-five minutes into the podcast. <laughs> if I don't get it out, then it's going to eat fair. away at me and make me feel worse and worse. I would just say Tristan Cassis right now, he finished August. His OPS is over a thousand. Fourth youngest batter in AAA East with at least 250 plate appearances. Posting numbers like that. Put some respect on his name. We will see him before the end of the year. I'm excited. <clears throat> I can't wait. And Connor Wong. Holy fucking shit. If you haven't not looked at what he's been doing the last couple weeks, not getting talked about enough. He has been hitting home runs at a pace that. I don't care who you are. It doesn't matter if you're the best power hitter in minor league baseball. He is doing things that have to make you sit there and question. All right, this guy could have a significant role on the team moving forward. Nine homers in his last 16 games. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Maybe he can get up here for the playoff push. He will. All right, here we go. This is a push for October starts right now. Right now. We'll see you. Uh, on Sunday night, aka Monday morning, for you watching or listening at home, talking about a four game Red Sox sweep of the Texas Rangers. I'm looking forward to it. Hope you guys are too. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us. We really appreciate you guys listening and watching. Oh, by the way, uh, fucking, what, what, what's the date again, Jake? The watch party, whatever the fuck it is? September 23rd at Cask and Flagon. September 23rd, Cask and Flagon. Pete, are you coming? What day of the week is that? Friday. It's Friday? Yeah. Uh, pretty good chance. I Oh, no, that's my it's my friend's wedding. I can't be there. Sorry. Who cares, dude? It's my best friend's wedding. I'm in the wedding Who party. That was, that, was a bachelor, that was a bachelor party that I had that I got fucking yelled at because I missed two episodes on Thursday First and Sunday. All, I had a bachelor party. You on the back burner twice? Insane. It was it was like technically a three day batch party. We left pretty early on uh, on the That's Sunday. Insane. That's insane. Um, all right, it, it well, is Tyler insane, will be there. Jake will be there. I think Pat half committed to it. He'll probably be there. He'll drink for free. He'll be there. Uh, Cask and flag in September twenty third. We're just gonna chill, watch the game, hang out with you guys. I'm excited. Looking forward to it. Um, all right, 
Let's see you on Monday. Buenas noches, amigos. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.